0: Seven years in, Jason Shepard's <laughs> facial hair, the center topic of discussion. What percentage polyester yeah. is?
1: Jeremy? Is it a cotton in- wool?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week.
0: We are convinced that part of the reason Alex Barcelo decided to return to BYU was solely so that he could be on BYU Sports Nation to discuss BYU basketball a little bit more. He joins us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. A.B., welcome back to the show.
3: What's up, guys? It's good to be back. Hey,
0: you're not kidding. It's good to have you back. So let's start here. What was the number one reason you opted for one more year with BYU basketball?
3: You guys, I wanted to be on sports <laughs> <stage>. <laughs> We were right. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> you guys always are. <laughs> no, just, uh, you know, the, there was a bunch of reasons that, that played a, a factor in my decision. And, uh, you know, one being my, my beautiful fiance, um, just the fact that she loves Provo so much. And she just, you know, thought that me spending another year here in, in provo playing under this coach and staff could just help me develop my game to to that next level and hopefully hear my name in the upcoming NBA draft um, another reason was just the Marriott Center I mean the, the fans that we have here the, the school the the university what we stand for being able to represent the why one more year uh, just you know it, it puts a lot of happiness in my heart and uh, the third reason I mean just there was a lot of Things left on the table, you know, I, I want a conference championship and I, I want to make a run in this NCAA tournament. And I believe that, you know, we were right there and, uh, you know, we, we can make that push forward to to do some spectacular things this season.
1: Well, First off, thanks for coming back. We're stoked, man. It's going to be a fun year again. <laughs> the last two years have been really, really fun. Uh, you know, two six seeds uh, would have been two years ago, according to Lenardi. Last year, obviously a six seed. That's some of the best ball BYU's played in a long time. Now we have a group that, yes, Brandon Averett and Matt Harms are gone, and they had amazing contributions, but Gavin Baxter's back. John Lucas comes in. Perhaps there's another transfer coming in. The development of the current guys. We were just talking about how we feel like, Spencer's like, yes, BYU's a tournament team right now. And I'm like, listen, probably, if if not in, barely out. Like, it's going to be fun. What you talked about that unfinished business. What is it that you feel like this group can accomplish now that you'll be in your 3rd year and you've kind of grown old together with some of these guys?
3: Uh, I mean, I th- I think the sky's the limit for us. You know, I was saying throughout the season last year that, you know, I wanted that conference championship. I wanted to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, at the big dance, whatever he, kid dreams of um, when he's little and then, you know, going to college, being able to experience that but I think this team's really talented. You know, we have a lot of different pieces. It's going to be a completely different team from last year as it was, you know, the previous year. Just every single team, it's, it's different each season. But uh, this coaching staff, you know, I just it all to the coaching staff because they're, they're the ones that are getting all these high talented guys. You know, they're the ones that are developing us. And then, you know, we're, we're just listening to what they're, what they're teaching us. And we're trying to do the best that we can every day. We're trying to get better every day, which is what they preach up and down. You know, it sounds a little bit cliche sometimes, but that's what we do. You know, we walk into the gym every single day trying to get just a little bit better.
0: BYU basketball senior point guard Alex Barcella with us on BYU Sports Nation. You've had quite the last week or so, (laughs) along with announcing your decision to come back to BYU in front of a bunch of BYU basketball campers, which was awesome. You also get engaged, Alex. So at what point do you take an emotional break and just kind of let things soak in?
3: (laughs) You know, I, I was thinking this week, but... I'm I'm heading right into workouts and you know trying to trying to stay tuned, trying to get ready for this upcoming season. And I mean, just being able to be on Sports Nation with you guys, it's a blessing. And you know, it's always fun being on here. And uh, I'm just I'm trying to soak it all in while everything's going on right now, just day by day. And you know, it's it's the happiest time of my life right now. And I'm going to keep saying that because it is. I, I truly believe that. And you know, getting getting engaged to Zoe and you know, net. I, The fact that she said yes, you know, surprised all the coaching staff. (laughs) I'm I'm so thankful, you know, she's way out of my league, but that and then on. (laughs) (laughs) She said, yes,
2: unbelievable. Yes.
1: (laughs) You're like, I'm you're like, I'm trying to get drafted and I feel like you're a first rounder. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my
3: gosh. And she was the hardest person to surprise throughout the whole process of doing it. It was just. You know, it was it was a, a beautiful night, and uh, you know, being able to come back for another year, both both of those things, trying to trying to just absorb all of it, and being I, I just have so much love for this university and the fact that I get to represent the Y another year and have fans in the Marriott Center. It just you know, it it just makes me so happy. Mm.
1: Okay, so when you evaluated this process, and, and you, you listed the reasons why you wanted to come back. uh, What were you hearing from NBA scouts that told you, okay, this is probably a good decision to develop and get get myself higher up that list that you can work on this year?
3: Yeah, so so first and foremost, there's not a traditional draft process this year, which I thought, you know, that that's going to kind of take away some of my opportunity that I may have, you know, considering that. The, the NBA team saying, you know what, you're probably not going to hear your name in this year's draft. You might be able to get on a two-way or, you know, get on a G League team and you're guaranteed overseas. But, you know, if you, if you really want to make this dream happen, you know, here, here's the, the hard facts. And, and I'm a big person on honesty. I just want to hear the truth no matter how hard that is. And ever since a little kid, you know, I've dreamed about putting on an NBA jersey and playing in those arenas. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, playing for this coaching staff another year, they could just develop me. Just seeing what they've done over these past two years with my development, I think they can make a a huge jump and uh, I'm going to have to work harder than ever uh, to make that happen. But with this coaching staff, I believe anything's possible and, you know, they're they're working as hard as they can to help me make my dreams come true and and I'm so thankful for them.
1: Does Elijah Bryant give you any added uh, inspiration or hope given undrafted guy, I know you want to be drafted, But if undrafted, that you can still play internationally and still get to the NBA.
3: Definitely, definitely for sure. You know, everyone has their own path, their own journey. But uh, you know that that's the dream. So whether or not whether or not I hear my name in the draft, or you know, I have to go overseas, or stay in the G League, or be on a two way, whatever comes out of this next year at at the end of it, you know, I, I just wanted to to give myself another year. I didn't want to leave anything on the table. I wanted to to put my whole heart and soul into this and, and see if I can make this dream come true. But, you know, I, I, I can live with that. I don't know if I would have, if I would have left this year, I don't know if I, 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 I could have lived with that, you know, thinking about the what if or what could have been. Um, but it, I, I think it's going to be hard no matter what, you know, there's, there's only so many guys in that league and th- that's for a reason. They're the most talented guys in the world. And uh, I, I want to, eventually be one of those guys, but I know it's going to be a hard journey.
0: Alex Barcello with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk specifics. You mentioned I've got to work harder than I ever have before to realize that dream. If we're talking skill set and where you want to get better in the nuances, where does that list
3: start, Alex? Yeah, well, you know, at my position, I'm I'm 6'2", and, you know, I'm not the the lengthiest guy, but I got to be the, the toughest guy on the court. I have to be a leader. Toughest guy. I got to be able to shoot the ball. I got to be able to make the right decision, the right play, uh not turn over the ball, and uh you know th- those are all the things that I-, I think could translate. You know, I'm not going to come in and be any a franchise guy, but I, you, know, you got to know your role going into that league. And you know, if I can be a guy that that runs a second second unit or uh you know third unit, whatever that may be, whatever they need me to do, if I'm in that league, I'm, I'm going to go do it. But uh, just. You know, hearing that feedback from them, you know, knowing going into this year that these are the things that I got to get better at being able to guard the de- the defensive side of the ball. You know, say I get mashed up with LeBron or mashed up with Damian Lillard, like w- whatever it may be, I'm going to have to, you know, do my best to guard them and not let them score. Because in that league, everybody can score. You know, it's it's hard. Every single person will get scored on two, three times in a row. But how can you prevent that? And uh, that's that's another thing that I'm going to have to work on a lot this season, just how quick my hands are, seeing if I can, you know, strip balls from guys when they're driving, um, you know, taking more charges, whatever I can do on the defensive side of the ball and guarding different positions. Just showing that I think I think that's going to be huge.
0: I don't know how you feel about comparisons to a Gonzaga guy, but uh, John Stockton got thrown around a little bit when people were trying to compare you to an NBA prototype. How do you feel about that?
3: I mean, whenever you get compared to, to guys of that level, that guys that have that much talent, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice to hear. Uh, I'd like to think I'm a little bit more athletic, but uh, <laughs> who's, who's to say? But, you know, it's, it's a huge compliment. But me, I, I like to be my own person. I like to be my own basketball player. I think I, I bring something different to the table, but it's definitely a huge compliment to me.
1: Yeah. And they, listen, I was just thinking, just thinking out loud quickly. I was like, there are guys like Jaul Neto. Uh, in the league, who are six white, 80, kind of similar size to you. Like they exist. They're in the NBA. They're on, like you said, second and third units on teams that are in the play. Like it exists. So uh, it's going to be fun to see your development in that way. Do want to ask you about uh, your new running mate in the backcourt? We assume he's going to be a starter as a senior coming in as a transfer. Tijon Lucas. Were you involved in the recruitment process? And uh, have you talked to him yet?
3: So I actually, I actually wasn't just because. Coach told me to kind of kind of get out and go, go take some time just because right after season, I just got right back into training, Matt and I, because we didn't know whether or not we were going to come back. So I was just focused on, hey, how, you know, can I get better? How much more can I train? What can I do? And uh, so then I went back to Arizona, saw, saw my fiance graduate and then propose. And I've just been busy with all that. So I actually haven't talked to him. I talked to Matt a little bit after I got engaged, and he said he had a long conversation with him, said I love the guy, and I'm so excited to talk to him um, once all this settles down. And I- I've watched a lot of film on him on Synergy once he committed, and, and man, I'm so excited to play with him.
1: So, Matt, you're saying Matt is in Matt Harms, who has moved on but is still helping recruit guys to BYU?
3: That's the type of guy Matt is. He's, nice. he's phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. I wish he would have come back, but... He's doing what's best for him, and I'm so excited to see what what his future holds.
0: Alex Barcelo on BYU Sports Nation. How much did the factor of your sister coming to BYU play into your decision to come back for one more
3: year? She was definitely in my ear a lot. I would say <laughs> you know a, a little bit, just so I could be that older brother, kind of you know beating her in shooting competitions late late at night at the gym or whatever <laughs> whatever she wants to do, teaching her new moves, but once I told her that, you know, I'd come to the decision, she was, she was really excited and I'm so excited to get her here on campus.
0: Yeah. What type of player is Amanda Barcello?
3: She's real tough. You know, she's, I wish I got some of her height. She's almost as tall as me, which is kind of scary, but um, you know, she can play pretty in high school. She's played pretty much every position. I think she'll play one through three um, in college, but she can shoot the ball really well. She's, Great, uh, great passer, play defense, just, you know, real tough. You know, I think that that maybe runs through our, our family, just a bunch of, bunch of tough ball players.
1: Absolutely. I was going to say, she's got to be tough, right? She's a Barcelo. Okay, in the opening <laughs> segment, we were talking about the difference between uh, the team that just finished playing a couple months ago and this next year's team. We were talking about the defensive impact of Matt Harms. On Ken Palm, this was the fourth best defense in the last 25 years for BYU. Certainly, that's going to be tough to replace. Yet, Gavin Baxter is a tremendous defensive player. Hopefully, he's super healthy coming off the knee injury. Offensively, he's a little different, right? More of an offensive rebounder, cleanup guy. Um, You know, Matt Harms was a pick-and-roll guy. What, What benefit do you feel like Gavin Baxter will bring to the table that is different than what Matt Harms was?
3: I mean, you know, both are really great players. I think Gavin, you know, the... How athletic he is, being able to run in transition, being a rim runner, um, you know, in half court, coming off the pick and roll, being able to catch and, you know, put it in the hoop right away with a dunk or lay up above the rim, coming down and catching and then being able to pass. But both of them are great passers, great, you know, great shot blockers, uh, just phenomenal players. But I'm really excited for Gavin. He's looking really good right now. Um, he's just continuing to get healthier and healthier every day and uh, I'm so excited for him to be on the court with us.
0: Alex, congratulations again on the best week ever, your engagement, your decision to come back to BYU, surviving the onslaught of pitches from Mark Pope. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure that was overwhelming, but you did it, man, (laughs) and we're thrilled to have you back.
3: Thank you. I'm thrilled to be back.
0: AB, we'll talk to you again soon. Alex Barcelo on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
1: Yeah, interesting to see his thought process, right? And uh, talk a little bit about Gav. So, yeah, exciting. Third year with Alex Barcelo. I don't think we – we didn't think we'd get three years. By the way, he's going to have, we hope, what's called a regular normal season. He hasn't had one. Yeah. So the end of the first year, COVID hits, no March Madness. Last year, like, no fans, limited fans – This year it's full bore, everything's
0: normal. Now he's the alpha. He's the alpha. It was last normal season. It was the normal season. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He gets like the full experience now. I'm excited for
2: him. Yeah. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best BYU
0: football team since 1984. Is it 2020 squad? Bill Connolly of ESPN in his independent teams preview said that yes, indeed, last year was BYU's best team since the national title run in 1984. Jerem, I think I know which way you're going to go with this. Is it fact or fiction what Bill Connolly said? It's
1: fiction. Uh, That... That team last year was special, and they were really, really good. But it wasn't the best team since 84.
0: Five draft some of, picks.
1: Some of that has to do with things out of 2020's control. Um, it's just hard to compare that schedule. It just really is. That, that is. It was amazing and a miracle that BYU could play at all, and that it played so well. Right. So, no. Uh, I think it's 96. Yep. 14-1, Cotton Bowl champs. That's the best bowl game BYU ever played in. BYU at the time had the most wins in NCAA history. That wasn't equaled until, I think, 2016 with Ohio State. That was incredible. 96 was unbelievable. Just the one loss at Washington. We'll talk to Hans Olsen coming up about that. That, that was a very fun year, right? 14 of the 15 wins. I, I think it's 96. There's been some really good teams since, but only one team – had one loss in a sort of regular season where you're playing quality opponents, right? This 96 team uh, ended up uh, getting two wins over teams that finished in the AP Top 25. That was significant. With uh, the 2020 team, you just had to play who you had to play. Best win was at Boise State, right? If if 2020 wins all the games, including Mm -hmm. Coastal Carolina, which ended up finishing in the Top 15, then I'm probably – I'm um, going to make a stronger argument for 2020, but 96 is the answer to me.
0: Yes, 1996 is the correct answer. Remind me, Jerem, how many ranked teams did BYU beat that season?
1: Like when they finished or at the time?
0: At the time. At the time.
1: Because that's different to me, yeah. There was A&M, there was uh, Kansas State. And Wyoming. And, and perhaps Wyoming as well, who at the time was 10-1. and won.
0: Three ranked wins. Not now, bad.
1: Now, now at the t- yes, okay. At the time is one thing. Sure. Yeah, because like '84's argument of like Pitt, it's like they were three seven one. But
0: let's suck. okay. So let's yeah. look at the postseason. Okay, BYU then beats two ranked teams. Yep. They beat two Wyoming and Kansas State, and did so back to back in the WAC championship game and the Cotton Bowl. So you finish the season with two wins against teams that finished ranked.
1: Yeah, that's the anti nineteen ninety.
0: That is solid
1: ninety should be one of the greatest teams ever. They are not because they finished so poorly. I love the 90 team, but in the greatest teams conversation, you can't bring them up because they finished so terribly. Yeah,
0: they sputtered against Hawaii, 31-point loss, and then Ty Detmer separates both of his shoulders, and they lose 65-14 in the holiday. And it day. wasn't
1: just a lose. It was like blown up. I love uh, the 90 team, but you can't call yourself a great team sure. you finish that way. Oh one, one same deal.
0: Another note about the 96 team, that... Many people forget. That loss to Washington, the Huskies were not ranked at the time. They were receiving votes when BYU lost to them in Seattle. That Washington team finished ranked number 16 in the country. So a 29-17 loss to a team that finished in the top 16. That's the one loss. And then uh, the two ranked wins to close out the season. So I, I agree with you. 1996 is the way to go. 2020 for me, and this creates a bigger conversation that we need to have another day. Like, where does the 2020 team rank in terms of, like, all-time seasons?
1: I think it's top seasons? 10. I think it's top 10. And the, the schedule will certainly held, be held against them. And, it's, again, it's not their fault. That's the hard thing is, like, shoot, if 2020 had played the original schedule, we wouldn't be talking about them as an all-time team, though, because they would have lost at least three games. Sure. I think.
0: Yeah, and, and th- five th-
1: power fives, six power fives. Yeah. This, this is a
0: this is a fun conversation and a perfect one for the summer for June. We second. start when we start discussing lists and where twenty twenty falls in that category and where Zach Wilson as a quarterback falls now, in the list of all time the quarterbacks.
1: One. Now there's the one because he was better than the season was.
0: Woo! Well, yeah, I mean, highest draft pick in the history of BYU football. Okay, our question of the day. We want you to answer what we just answered. What's the best BYU football team since 1984, and why? Let's go to Voice of the Nation.
2: This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation.
0: At Grizzfather on Twitter answers 1996, and that team might have been better than 1984.
1: I will. I will. Uh, you know. Welcome and and. The conversation about 83 versus 84, we had that. If you missed it, it's on the BYU TV app, 1983, the reviewables. Um, That's a fun one. Uh, 96 is an interesting one. I'm not sure i go there with 96. To me, 96 is the third best team in BYU history. Yes. I, I, I think it goes 84, 83, 96.
0: We're not far off. I'm 83, 84, 96. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and it is an interesting combo. It's like what do you value? What do you want out of? It? Do you want how they played? Do you want like the talent as quantified by what? Like NFL draft picks. Like how do you how do you quantify that? What do you like the most? Like big wins, but maybe a couple losses. Or because '84 didn't beat anybody that was any good. They won all the games. Those teams didn't end up being good. What about third ranked Pitt three seven one? What about Michigan six and six? Like. There wasn't a really good team on that schedule that they beat.
0: Comparable. But they to, won all of the yeah, games. Yeah, that's the thing. Compa- yeah. So if 2020's team had won all of the games, then it's kind of a similar scenario.
1: Except they were actual power five opponents. But they didn't play any Pitt. It was neutral with Michigan. Like, it's hard for me to be like LaTeX. And, you know, like 2020, I'm not going to discredit right. what they did. Was Boise it's just State, hard
0: to Was Boise State a better team than Michigan that BYU beat in 1984?
1: Michigan was ranked third earlier that year. I'm going to go no on that one. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is one of our favorites. She is a national championship winning coach for BYU women's cross country and hoping for special things at the BYU uh, women's team. goes to the NCAA Track and Field Outdoor Championships in Eugene, Oregon. Diljeet Taylor, Diljeet, welcome back to the show. What's
4: up? Thank you, guys. So excited to be here.
0: Um, we noticed that uh, something entered the studio right as we began this interview, and uh, it, it is a delicious oh. acai bowl. Okay, you're the best. You, you've outdone Listen, yourself again. You're the best. How? how? Hasht- okay. Hashtag BYU Girl Dad Camp. Yep.
4: Yeah, there's a little promotional aspect to it. You know, we're getting really <laughs> excited for our girl dad first ever Girl Dad Camp um, this August, and Women's distance, we're all about the acai bowl, so hope you guys enjoy those.
1: Listen, if this is the key to success, I need to be consuming this way more <laughs> because it's amazing. Okay, let's, let's talk about the Girl Dad camp first since you brought it up, and then we'll talk about national. So tell us more about the camp. I know about the camp. I'm going with Venom, my 8-year-old, uh, August 6th through the 8th. Cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. Tell pe- people more about it and how they can sign up.
4: So you can sign up at BYU sports camps. We got this idea with, along with women's basketball and women's volleyball to have the first ever girl dad camp, a little spin-off of father and sons, which has been a really successful camp here at BYU. But we wanted something for, for those young girls. And it's going to be super empowering and inspiring. Very excited for uh, what we're going to do. We've got some, some special surprises that uh, we'll probably be talking about as a, uh, as time goes on and we get closer, but August 6th to 8th and a very inspiring and empowering weekend for, for these young girls. So if anyone has that weekend free, I encourage you guys to sign up. You're going to walk away with um, some really good memories and, and a special opportunity to connect with your daughter.
0: Uh, I'm feeling left out now because my daughter, Sailor, is only three years old. So what are, what are the stipulations? Because I want to mark them in the calendar if it's, you know, a few years down the road.
4: You just, yeah, 8 to 18 and bring your dad. And so you'll be there, Spencer, in five years.
1: (laughs) Can't wait. It'll be great. Or adopt a kid that's 8, whatever. Uh, Okay, let's talk about regionals, Uh, you know, prelims uh, in College Station, Texas. Obviously, hot, humid, lightning delay, hot rain. You guys fought through it. You got 24 total entries into nationals, which is just incredible. What was that experience like?
4: It was a great weekend, a great group effort by all the event areas. I think, you know, one of the things that Ed Eistone mentioned in our team meeting is Athletes Adapt. And what you saw this weekend in really, really humid and hot conditions was athletes that, that were staying true to their goals and their dreams to get to that next round in Eugene. We are very excited about the big group that we're taking. We've got men and women in a lot of event areas. Our men's team is actually ranked fifth. And we have two relays in on the men's side, a four-by-one and four-by-four. So Kyle Grossarth, which is incredible performance. We have a couple throwers in. Again, just all event areas are going to be represented. And we're really excited to go back to that new Hayward field. We've, we've been there once or twice actually already this year, but we're excited to, to experience some Hayward magic and see what we can bring back to Provo.
0: What's the atmosphere like at that incredible venue, which really is like an Olympic stadium in many ways?
4: Yeah, it you know, you don't know what you're going to feel like when you go back to Hayward Field just because of the experiences that we've had in the past with the Hayward Magic, but it's the same feeling in a new stadium. So, you almost feel like you're not on US soil. That's the best way to to really talk about it. It almost feels like you're in a European uh Diamond League meet somewhere overseas, but but you still have some of that old Hayward people and i i think it's just an incredible incredible venue and i'm really really excited our athletes are running well at the right time so really excited to see what what we can put together there
1: if it feels like being on european soil in hayward field it definitely feels like being on u.s soil like a block away because like animal house was shot in eugene there <laughs> so yeah it's a fun city <laughs> yeah having been there a couple of times it's great okay so in terms of uh, qualifiers who are top five in their event on the ladies uh, on the women's side against the competition. Let's talk about it. Steeplechase: Courtney Wayman second, Sierra so Tidwell third in the high jump, and then uh, Whitney Orton in the fifteen hundred at fourth. So there are a couple of top five uh, participants here. Who's who's the most likely to bring home a national championship here, and and, and perhaps could there be multiple?
4: You guys know, I love talking about rankings and all of that stuff. No, I, we've got a couple (laughs) good opportunities to bring back something special. And again, rankings at this meet, everybody has an equal opportunity that's stepping on the line. So we're really excited um, to get out there and, and see what happens. I think you're going to see the BYU uniform across the span of four days, both on prelim and final days. And I think that's really exciting for our program. There's there's a different level of swag that that our BYU track and field programs have right now, and it's it's exciting to coach that.
0: Yeah, certainly with the two ranked teams, because we know you love talking about rankings. But you did bring up the fact that uh, the men are ranked number five, the women are ranked number eleven. This has been just an unbelievable athletic year for the BYU track and field and cross country teams. That said, 24 combined athletes, it is a numbers game when you're trying to compete and do special things. So for those that don't understand track and field, what does 24 combined athletes at the NCAA championships mean? Like, How would we quantify getting 24 to that level?
4: So we had to qualify. There's two region meets. There's an east region and a west region. And they basically take the top 12 in both of those regions and bring them to Eugene. At that time, we then, um, in certain events, you'll take 12 to the final. In certain events, it'll be top eight to the final day of the championship. So, again, getting to the NCAA meet was was no e-task. And our athletes really fought their way. And you're going to continue to see that fight. I mean – we didn't have a championship. The last NCAA outdoor track and field championship was 700 and something days ago. So these athletes are competing with a ton of gratitude and, and you're seeing that you're seeing that in the last uh, throw in the last jump in the last 100 meters of their race, just the amount of fight that they have. It's all due, just, they're so grateful for this opportunity. So I think you're going to see some really exciting things happen. Hopefully we'll send a bunch of kids through to the final day and then um, hoping for some magic.
1: Indeed we are. Uh, we were in a meeting yesterday where we were told that the coaching that you give in meet is extremely inspiring and in that, obviously, your ladies respond. Give us a sense of what uh, your approach is when communicating during a meet because there's a lot of things going on for that athlete, but you want your message to be simple and clear, I bet.
4: Yeah. You know, I think if you recorded me during a meet, you might, I don't know, simple and clear would be what you would get. <laughs> and, and passionate and maybe slightly crazy. Like I go back and watch some of the film. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm so <laughs> excited for it. And, and I think really just the emphasis for us and, and, you know, with our program, the BYU Run for Her, it is always just running for that little girl that fell in love with the sport. And I remind them of that prior to their competition. But once the gun goes off, they're running and I, I'm just like pacing as crazy as possible, leaning over the rail, um, it's actually kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I'm just really excited for <laughs> them. There's a lot of yelling going on um, and, and, and I'm pretty confident that they hear me. So as long as I, I love the same, like perfect, perfect, you know, you all say the same words, you're good, you're good, um, but, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot of crazy, a lot of passion.
0: G. Taylor, coach for BYU Track and Field, specializing on the women's side, teamed up with Ed Eyestone, who has done remarkable things. The two of you are certainly a dynamic duo, if there ever were one, uh, as far as coaches go at at BYU. You've taken the program to a level where this isn't uncommon, these big meets with a ton on the line. How have you learned through these previous experiences where you've competed at championships and help your athletes understand how to handle the nerves.
4: Yeah, we embrace, we embrace the pressure and nerves that comes with being nationally ranked, but also just keeping the emphasis on fun. I sent a message out this morning. The theme of next week is fun. We're going to have fun. And I think as long as you keep that as a central focus of your competition, good things will happen. These athletes are trained. They're ready. uh, They're confident you're going to you can see the composure that they have at these big meets that comes with experience they've had a ton of experience now especially after the year we've had this year pretty confident in in their capabilities but now we just focus on having fun and i think if we do that you'll see a good result
0: hey in the spirit of having fun we're about to do that as we enjoy these acai bowls so thank you for delivering some fun in a bowl to us uh, we, in all seriousness, were stoked about the Girl Dad Camp and that whole movement. And we can't wait to watch you and the athletes compete at Historic Hayward Field in that new, beautiful venue. Thanks for the time, Coach.
4: Thanks so much, you guys.
0: Diljeet Taylor on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
1: Listen, I've done a couple of years with Mark Pope and Kalani Sitake. They aren't giving me food. Yeah, they ever no delivered you an acai Co- bowl? A- every Tuesday night? No, no acai all bowl. All of that Just fresh,
0: delicious fruit, granola. Just-
1: Listen, they give me a very rich personality and engaging conversation. (laughs) But this tastes pretty good, too.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
0: teamed up with the man who's extended his film review of football to include all Zach Wilson practice footage, Jerem Jordan.
1: Listen, I need me some more after further review. It's not up until August. Uh, you know, Dave McCann's got the updates. I love it. Uh, D- DJ Bianna who's been uh, on the program from the New York Daily News, with other media members, is putting out video of Zach Wilson online. Right. So. Obviously, we're eating that up, and he's completing passes to, you know, coaches. Obviously, teammates. This one we were looking at, he completes a, uh, you know, a deep ball to, we think maybe one of the coaches, right? But it's just not enough. It's quiet. I'm like envisioning a call on it. So here, here it is again, but with Greg Rubell attached. Zach Wilson in shotgun. He'll look right now. Take off to the right. Look middle. Throw on the run. Back shoulder and a catch made. Can't believe he hauled it in. What a play. Yes, we need to add Greg to every one of these. How much more exciting
0: is that practice footage with play by play from Greg Rubel? Can
1: we play it one more time, but just focus on no fans behind and like how much Greg just has to bring it himself. Let's listen again. Zach Wilson in shotgun. He'll look right. Now take off to the right. Look middle, throw on the run, back shoulder, and a catch made. Can't believe he hauled it in! What a play!
2: It's just like the team. I'm glad that's over. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
0: His name is Lee Johnson, Thunderfoot, 18-year NFL veteran, and he can probably beat you at <laughs> golf. Lee, we have missed you. How are you?
5: Man, you guys are too kind to me. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. You guys must be really hurt for some good content, but I really appreciate it. I'm sure I'm the only kicker punter ever to go on, so I love you guys.
1: It's fourth down, a.k.a. June. <laughs> so we needed you to come uh, in and yeah, just launch right. one, right? Here I come in. <laughs> I tell you
5: what, I'm going to hang up on you guys right now. Be careful. I'll push the off button.
0: <laughs> Lee. We've been discussing the 2020 BYU football season for a lot of reasons. Mm. It was fantastic. It featured five NFL draft picks. The highest draft pick ever in BYU football history was Zach Wilson. Wow. 13 different guys playing in the league in some capacity off Mm. last year's roster. Number 11 final ranking had the nation's attention for essentially the entirety of the season. Where does last year's BYU team and season rank among the all-time great teams and seasons?
5: Well, wow. First off, holy smokes, I cannot believe the number of guys that went into mini camps or drafted. It, it blows my mind. I thought my 84 roster, and you guys would know this, I'd love to know whether we're done here now or later, but I've never seen so many guys go on a team. I, it's amazing. So as far as, no question, top 10. Um, I've got issues, obviously, with scheduling, um, being totally real. I did not like the Coastal Carolina loss. I'm not a big fan of Coastal. I didn't think they were that great. But uh, we're a top-ten team, and and uh, let's go with that.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, it, and it was a, such a special year. Tell us, uh, you know, in the lead-up, obviously, you're in the athletic department. You worked there. You were on the inside. Tom Hommel told us during the pandemic, we had a conversation with him. He said, I don't know when we're playing or who we're playing, but we're going to be ready. Like, this team's good. We'll see how good, but this team's good. We were like, okay. Yeah. You know, coming off seven and six. Just a monumental leap uh, quantified by zach wilson's improvement, did you feel like this team was going to be this special it was It was pretty special.
5: You know what they were super special, and I think we didn't at least i didn't realize how injured Zach Wilson was, with mm. that thumb and the shoulder, everything came together. The dude, as we all know, is just amazing as far as just athletically, but loves a film, loves to just the technician behind Zach, and we had the guys to come in. Um, one thing we did do fellas is uh, we never stopped in training camp. And I think most of the teams in the league, just this COVID thing blew their minds and they just pu- pushed the pause button and Kalani to his credit and Tom's credit, never pushed the pause button. So we were, in my opinion, so far ahead of our talent and the teams we were playing just because of that. And you saw it in Navy when Ken j- basically said, look, we weren't ready. And, we we showed them they weren't ready so i think that helped a ton we have great guys we have great talent i'm not going to go uh top five team but certainly a top 10 and uh yeah scheduling my only problem i don't think we played a lot of great teams but you know when you don't play great teams and you you smack them in the mouth and you destroy them like we did then that shows you how good you are you never really know how good you are because of that again coastal carolina just didn't like going out there i know we were ready but we should have gone out there and manhandled those dudes at the line of scrimmage. And uh, man, I'm not happy about that loss at all.
0: Lee Johnson with us on BYU Sports Nation, looking back at the 2020 season. You brought up scheduling as your major concern there. That leads me to maybe an even bigger conversation as we rewind back to when you played at BYU. Jeremy and I kind of go back and forth on which was the better team when all of a sudden... I know 84 won the national championship, so it's easy to lean that way, but if you're looking at difficulty of schedule, Lee, in 1983, BYU finishes with two major ranked road wins at UCLA, at Air Force, and are really a a miracle away by Baylor from being undefeated in the 1983 season with Steve Young, so I... I think 1983 no. was the best team BYU ever had. How do you feel about that? I
5: love what you're saying. You have to throw in 85, though, guys. What are your thoughts on 85? 85 was powerful. I know I was gone, and I want to say every great team BYU had was because of Lee Johnson. I
1: can't go there. Men,
5: <laughs> <laughs> man, fellas, 85. Tell me about 85.
1: Three losses, uh, to me, yes, uber talented, yeah. but it's not what you think think you could have done, it's what you did. Uh, 90 yeah. suffers from this as well. A 01 suffers from this yeah. as well. Where it's like, listen, yeah. those teams were loaded as NFL dudes and won a ton, but they didn't you know, didn't have enough wins to get into the... He, the zero and one win conversation is five teams. Zero, one loss? Zero or one loss, yes. Uh, 84, 83, yeah. 96, 80... Uh, 2020 and 79. There's six. That's it. They immediately go into the conversation. In the Top ten. If you have two losses, yeah. you're in it. Three, to me, that's tough. You lost three times. It's tough.
5: You're right. And I talked to Chad yesterday. Just I don't know why we talked about this, but he thought 96 was an outstanding. And guys, I'll tell you, I was here in 80 with McMahon. That mm. that was a great team. Great team. Jim McMahon is a beast, a warrior. And the things we did to teams, it was embarrassing. We just rocked <laughs> people's worlds. <laughs> And you know what, though, guys, back then in the WAC, that was the WAC days, every team we played was their bowl game. Everyone wanted to beat BYU. We had this amazing brand and amazing legacy. So everyone wanted to beat us. So it was tough. It was tough to go, you know, 10-1 and or whatever, 10-2 and or undefeated back in those days just because everyone wanted to beat BYU no matter what. And it was so fun, but we always had to be ready.
1: And sometimes we weren't. Okay, there was something super unique about 2020 that you can appreciate, which brings us to our stat of the day.
2: It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the
1: day. used 28 punts in 2020. We're the second fewest in a season since wow. 1980. <laughs> okay, 1983, yeah. 24 punts. You were barely used. Uh, no team has had under 40 in a season. So barely punting. Ryan Rico, uh, you know? It's, he got he got paid yeah. a lot of scholarship money per punt this year.
5: <laughs> How many did Rico have again in 20 guys?
1: I don't even remember. Oh, 28. Tw- 28. 28. And then he faked one. It okay. would have been 29 and he ran for a long. Yeah. Run. Yeah. Yeah. So I had 24 and
5: 83. I think I led the nation in 83 and I couldn't qualify to be an All-American. <laughs> but I did go to in 84. Hey, check this out. In 84, I was a preseason Playboy All-American.
1: Anyway, let's not talk <laughs> about that. <laughs>
5: So that was really weird. They let me go back to Dallas on that, uh, on that team. That was interesting.
1: Let, let, let's head off the air that one. The, the brass are freaking yeah. out right now upstairs. Uh.
5: Yeah. Right. Right. They let us go back. But that was, that was a great time by the way. That was really cool. TMI. Uh, Bo Jackson was on that team. I remember seeing Bo and yeah, that was fun. Wow. Memories. Lunch. Yeah. Ryan Rico. Save it Bellos for lunch. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Um, Dude, our two guys we have now though, Jake and Brian. I know. Best best combo in the NCAA, Rico is I don't I don't know how I played 18 years, but I look at a guy like that. If he doesn't play in the NFL, wow, that guy's good. Okay. That dude's huge. I just saw him. I just came up in the weight room. He's 6'5", 240, <laughs> handsome. He's got it going on. I was like, dude, I gotta get out of here. You embarrass me. You are so hot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah he to me he was the most underrated player in 2020 obviously he's not used a ton we just chronicled that and then and you feel he's going to play in the nfl that's awesome jake Goldroyd, listen jake Goldroyd's season was unbelievable he didn't miss a field goal he makes 350 plus one of those is at the end of halftime against san diego state where the ball is literally frozen I was yeah. coming off of a year where he got pulled at the end of the year because he didn't have it. He led the nation in 2019, halfway through. He struggled um, you know, the back half and was like, what's going on with Jake? He overcame some serious you know, uh, issues to be unbelievable in 2020. What do you have to say about yeah. his field goal kicking?
5: I think the guy is outstanding. When I first met him before uh, his mission, before he even played, I was like, wow, who is this guy? No one knew about him. He was kicking. I forgot who he was with, but I was out there in July, just banging the ball. And I was super impressed. Then he came into that Arizona game to win the game. And then he got hurt with a back. And I'm thinking, oh, no kicker is allowed to be hurt. That scares NFL scouts. You cannot be hurt. So I'm thinking, man, this guy's got a perennial back problem. And he comes back from his mesh, dials in. He's a workout beast with Ryan. And he's healthy. He's got everything he needs. I'd like to see his kickoffs. They want, and you know, they want big kickoffs in the NFL. Rico can kick off, but yeah, I think the guys—no question—an NFL could do. Ryan, Jake, both NFL guys. Wow, I would have no problem. Yeah, yeah, I said it. I said
0: it. Okay, it's on record, and uh, we're here for it. That's why we had you on on June 3rd, man. We told Uh, you we needed some good content. You've you've been giving it to us. That is for sure. (laughs) You and Bo Jackson. Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right, Lee, let's push it forward to 2021. You get the schedule that you're excited about. In fact, BYU's got seven Power Fives. They return a bunch of talent led by, yes, the kicker and punter that you just mentioned you feel are both NFL guys eventually. Tyler Algier, the Nakua brothers, three capable quarterbacks. The tight end group is loaded. What do you expect from the 2021 squad? What What is the measure of success for this team against that difficult of a schedule?
5: Yeah, I love the schedule, but I but I don't mind. There's no one on the schedule that I don't think we can beat. Sometimes you get teams you just look at and say, okay, no chance. I would say the team that we're going to struggle against, maybe the most could be SC, not sure where they are. ASU is going to be tough. I'm not worried about, you know, Utah is Utah. I think we can be Utah, Baylor and Baylor. Um, when you got a schedule like this, you got to keep your hosses healthy, as we both know, all know. I think that um, offensively, we're dialed in. We've got a system I love. We've got receivers, offensive line. We've got a running game. got a quarterback. Depending on who they choose, I'm fine with all three. By the way, they love Conover, um, but I think Hall. You know who knows? They love they love all three guys. They're they're all three really good. You can go with any of them. Defensively, I think our scheme is. Uh, you know what? I'm a I'm a big guy on. I like to be aggressive and and pop the quarterback in the mouth. And we don't really have that style, so uh, I think they're more. Let's hold the uh, the defense of the offense, the opposing offense, uh, under their scoring average. So. That being said, combined with special teams, I think we've got a, we probably have a better team than last year, minus Zach. If you throw Mm. Zach out, I think we've got a pretty dang good team. Yeah, Zach obviously is a a big difference maker, but if it's just taking Zach out and looking at the team as it is, I think we're better than last year. Excuse me. We're better this year than last year.
1: That's quite sad. Then you got to worry about, you know,
5: Zach. Well, to go with it with me, we got Tyler Algier, same. We got better receivers. We've got basically the same old line We're going to miss Brady. And we got Rex, and we got uh, – Dylan Holker back. We're deep and tight end. Holker back. We're – okay, we're minus Zach. So, Zach is phenomenal. So, our quarterback's got to step up with better offensive talent. Defensively, I think it's it's equal. we got the backers are back. Corners are back. D-line is uh, essentially back, Kyra minus Kyrus. But uh, Mahi, I think, can fill in. Yeah, guys, I like the team a lot. I like them a lot. Expectations. Uh, hey, guys, what are your thoughts?
1: I, I have questions about the secondary, um, but other than that, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. But isn't the same? You is the same <laughs> well, secondary? What's different? Troy Warner and Zane Anderson are gone. Those are two big losses. Obviously, a lot of those corners are back, which is great. Uh, but guys like uh, George Udo and hopefully Micah Harper is healthy and Isaiah yeah. Heron and D'Angelo Manette. Yes, the corners. Yes. Oh uh, well, Chaz it's, it's, Ayu. Chaz, Chaz, Chaz is a beast. Beast. Chaz is yeah, going to have Ayu his chance, is right? A yeah.
5: Very good player. Yep. Maybe it's and just the Malik, other safety. Malik
1: is. Malik Moore, Hayden Livingston. They're going to get their shot. Yep. Yeah.
5: D line is. I just want pressure. You're I right. want to go. You're pop, right. Preseason top twenty. Let's go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, are we going to be preseason top twenty? No. We'll be preseason top twenty-one. No. We? When you lose you a quarterback that? like that, they don't. That's why
0: the Zach Wilson effect will put BYU out of the top twenty-five. Yeah.
5: I'm going to challenge both you cats on that one right now. Okay. <laughs> I bet you. I'll what bet you, you right Lunch? now for top 20. You've Lunch? already, you've already seen polls, won't,
1: haven't you? That you BYU won't be <laughs> AP top 25 preseason. Lunch? Well, why Why are you so
5: confident? First off, you act like you know something.
1: I don't, I don't believe that. You don't think that's I cool feel like I you know do? something? <laughs>
5: uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you act like you know something, yeah. that's for sure. That's the show, uh, Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Make it, take you, make it. Okay, um, I'll take the bet. Yeah, okay, whatever lunch. you want. I want BYU to be lunch.
1: preseason top 25. That'd be great. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'm We're just... going to be preseason AP
5: top 25. Lee Johnson, 2021. <laughs> close quote. <laughs> AP, AP. Okay. Hey. Lee, there's, yeah. there's okay, a reason we
0: want you on this show more regularly, my friend, because of yeah. times like this. Time, yeah. Yes, we're here yeah. for
5: it. That's banter. I love the banter. Let's go. hey. hey.
0: Great to have you, man. Uh, We wish you continued uh, health and success in your efforts with BYU Athletics. And uh, let's hang out again soon.
5: Love it, guys. Thanks so much. Love what y'all are doing. Great show.
0: You got it. Lee Johnson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Why are you
1: so confident? You act like you know something.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation
0: The 2020 BYU football team included an 11 and 1 record number 11 final ranking Five draft picks. 13 different BYU players signing a deal in some capacity in the National Football League. In fact, BYU football was featured prominently in the national media and college football playoff rankings specifically for the first time since that has been introduced to the game. All that said, Jerem, where does the 2020 BYU football season rank all-time among a program full of history and great seasons? Seventh. Number
1: seven. Now, let's just talk about 2020 for a second. 2020 was amazing. What BYU did was incredible. The Cougars could not control the schedule. There were six power fives originally. That got blown up, obviously, with the pandemic. BYU had to play who they could play, including Coastal Carolina on the road, on knowing on a Wednesday, taking off the truck goes across the country. I'm not going to penalize 2020 too much for that, Sure, but it has to be considered. It's hard to gauge this exactly. We'll do our best in this conversation here. I think if all the teams are playing Pac-12 and Big Ten the whole season, that BYU doesn't get up to as high as eighth, especially with that schedule. Okay. Part of the reason BYU was the darling is because they were playing the whole time. And all of a sudden, star power started happening with Zach Wilson, and BYU's undefeated, and BYU's willing to go to Coastal Carolina. That was all great. There's nothing negative about what happened in 2020. It was amazing. One of the most enjoyable, fun seasons ever, and especially because we were in a pandemic. We clung to that in a way we never would have earlier. With that said, it is tough to evaluate the greatness against that schedule because there's no Power Five teams on it, and BYU just had to get who they had to get. Okay, I have 84 as the best team ever. You have 83. I think yep. you have 84 as two, probably. I have 83 as two. 96 is our consensus three. I go 1980 as number four. I go 06. I real high on 06. Wow. I go real high on 06. a two lost team. Yes. Yes. Um, real high on 06 because. Uh, I just, they blew everybody out, and the two losses were power five on the road, and it's just different. Yeah. 07, I have high. I have 2020 there, then 09, and then I go 81, 79. 90, I put as a three loss team up there. If 90 finishes with one loss, they're in the top five. They really are. And maybe they are for you. But for me, I'm like, you can't. You know, perform that poorly at the end and be rewarded. Lose your final two like games, even, a Two thousand one. Even though you beat Miami and you have the Heisman and you're in the top five for six weeks. Sure. So yeah, twenty twenty. I put I put um, you know I put seventh on okay. the list of all time seasons.
0: Okay, not far off from my list. I have the twenty twenty BYU football season and some recency bias plays into this, but sure. I do value the talent that BYU had on this team. Placing five NFL draft picks in the league. I mean, that is unheard of.
1: And, and in the in the great evaluation of the season, we can't just look at the next season. We'll have to look at the next three seasons sure. to go. Oh, and Peyton Wilgar was drafted, right? right. And right. James Empey. George Udo, or what? Right, like all these guys. Yeah.
0: Or, does Tyler Algier get his? Way into the yes. league, you know, like yes. th- there are going to be the Nakua's. You know, does Puka Nakua get uh, do enough he, at BYU? He to
1: won't it? factor into the 2020 conversation, but Gunner, True. but Gunner would. True, Gunner yeah. would. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So all these guys that played Isaac on Rex, that team, how many ultimately get to the league? So much talent on this team. So I'm placing heavy emphasis on hey, five draft picks, 13 different players in some capacity signing a deal. Most of them were free agent deals. One. Rookie minicamp deal from uh, Kavika, Kavika. Fanua. First time in the college football playoff rankings since those were introduced six years ago. First win at Boise State in dominating fashion. I know the Broncos were a few men down, but going up there and getting that monkey off the back. And then a dominant bowl win against a UCF team that had Dylan Gabriel. And it was supposed to be like this epic quarterback matchup. And Zach Wilson just absolutely <laughs> stole the show. Dylan Gabriel is too short.
1: To, to, to be elite, honestly. Like, when I was, I was like, oh, dude's like 5'11. He he's, can't be one of the five best quarterbacks in the game. Like, listen, at least Ty was like six foot. <laughs> this is true. I'm not trying to be shortism, but he's not Russell Wilson or Drew Brees. That, I was surprised by that. Dylan Gabriel's good, but he's not one of the right. best in the country.
0: BYU took the challenge of going to Coastal Carolina on three days' notice, yep. ranked matchup, ESPN yep. College Game Day. It didn't work out. It, they were literally a half-yard short of being undefeated and finishing in maybe like the top seven or eight.
1: We've avoided this, by the way, and I've talked about this a bunch. We've avoided talking about that a lot because we don't like it.
0: It's mostly been positive. That's the one. Nationally, uh, it
1: was. Like, BYU, we have not talked about that game very much because we're like, oh, that's the one sore
0: spot. Sure, yeah. That's that,
1: the Kevin Dyson moment. That hurts. We're BYU football, but we don't, we don't talk about it because – the Titans aren't going, hey, remember Kevin Dyson's butt? Half yard
0: short of uh, potentially
1: winning <laughs> a the Super Bowl. Per- of you know? perfection for BYU.
0: Yeah. Second so time it, ever. It, that hurts, obviously, but the nation was like, look, they, they took the challenge on three days' notice. It wasn't like BYU was, in large part, penalized for losing that game You're, as much as they would have because of the strange circumstances.
1: It's like a neck tattoo instant street crit. <laughs> okay. That's what BYU <laughs> yeah. got by playing Coastal Carolina they, in that situation. They
0: rose up to the challenge
1: and it, of getting end. Is there a difference between eleventh and eighth? Not really, right? It's all great. Yeah, there's it's, not. If you're outside the playoff, or if you're barely outside the playoff, that's different. Um, or New Year Six, but yeah, BYU wasn't going to get in the New Year's Six after that win. BYU climbed up to eleventh, right? And that's a people. It's there,
0: tougher now the way college football is set up and organized for a team like BYU to really make a national splash. Yes.
1: And part of the reason BYU did was because of the way this season unfolded. Correct. I, I, we need to acknowledge that. It wasn't a normal year. BYU took advantage of that. BYU is to be credited with what it did. And I
0: think that's why I put it top five because it was so unique. And, and because college football is the way it is, BYU did some things that I never thought they would be able to do. Like, be on the college football playoff show. Kalani Satake featured prominently. They're talking to him about that first ranking. It was a huge national story.
1: Anytime BYU has a reason to be a story, it's a big one. It is. That's the power of the brand. You don't see... Like, if La Tech was undefeated they're, and 6-0, they're probably, their coach isn't on that show on a Tuesday. That's the power of BYU. That's the power of the relationship with ESPN. The history that has come with this program. And finally... It, it took a pandemic to blow up the schedule and get BYU relevant. It really did. I would have loved to have seen, we all would, <laughs> the 2020 team against the regular schedule. I would have liked to have seen if BYU could win nine in that situation. Yeah,
0: you'd like to see that talent that we just talked in depth about face those type of teams. Because
1: what happened? The, that too hard of a schedule went away, and now BYU could really shine. Yeah. That, that light shines bright, but it's smothered by too many Power 5 teams sometimes. That might happen this year. Like if this team played last year's schedule, I'm thinking, do they lose a game? This this next team. I'm feeling the same way. Obviously, no Zach Wilson and Brady Christensen and, and members of that defense is a big deal. But I, if BYU was in the Mountain West with the 2021 team, we're talking about 10 wins. Sure. This year we're going, okay, seven would be good. Eight would be like real good. Nine would be nine. pretty crazy because of how hard the schedule is, you know? Um, so 2020, it's interesting. It's, it's just kind of hard to evaluate them because, so, like you said, so much talent. Draft picks, the number two pick. Highest it's draft it's pick hard ever. to know with, okay, if they faced a different kind of schedule, are they going to win 11 games, go 11-2 and two, um, in the Mountain West? Like I, I think last year's team in the Mountain West, would have gone at least eleven and two. Okay, yeah.
0: So you've got twenty twenty number seven overall on the list of all time great teams seasons. I've got them at number five. We're not, again, we're not far off. I have two thousand six number seven. I have nineteen seventy nine because they were an extra point away of being potentially perfect. Sorry, field goal away from being perfect against Indiana in the yep. bowl game. Yep. Lee Mark Wilson. Um, but, yeah, it just, it's incredible that we're even having this conversation based on everything that went down last year. Awesome. Our question of the day, where does the 2020 BYU football season rank all-time at BYU? Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation.
2: This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation.
0: At the Casual Hippie, top ten for sure. Valid arguments for top five. Hashtag BYUSN.
1: Depends what you value, because what I looked at, too, was final AP rank, highest rank. How many top 25 wins went final AP poll did you have? And that's why 83 is number one to me. 83 is amazing that way, right? There are only two seasons where BYU beat two teams that finished ranked, 83 and 96.
0: And would you know, they were both top three.
1: And they finished in the top seven in the country, okay. right? And then wins versus 500 teams, cumulative opponent win percentage, just like how... Tough was the overall schedule by total wins. I looked at all that and, and tried to evaluate. And, yeah, it's a, it's a fun conversation when uh, the dust settles. Uh, Roberts underscore MN, fourth behind Ooh. 84, 96, and 83 in that order. Yes, even better than 80. Ooh. I have a hard time getting that point. I really do. 1980 be- was be- awesome. Because it's like, okay, these teams had more weight on the bar and had fewer reps. But this team had less weight on the bar but more reps. How do we compare them? That is the difficulty and the fun, also, of this conversation. Utah Jazz announced uh, full capacity for the second round.
0: Yeah, in fact... We're I, there, baby! I, I love Utah. was at Vivint Smart Home Arena last night... Were you? Nice! ...for the series-clinching win, along with 14,000-plus fans. It Were
1: you there as a fan or KSL? I Spencer was there Legend? as
0: a fan. <gasps> good for you. I took my nine-year-old Jack. That's awesome, man. Yes, his life was what made.
1: a butt kicking. Oh, fan-
0: <laughs> fantastic! Right,
1: playoff record, first quarter nine. years it was amazing, and it
0: was great to see so many BYU fans there. Thanks to everyone for uh, saying hello. It's uh, did
1: any Utah fans say hi?
0: You know, no. I didn't, That's good. I, I don't recall any uh, Utah good. fans went out of their way to say hello to me. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're
2: watching. <laughs> This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
1: Hans Olsen, one of our favorites from 1280 The Zone in Salt Lake, uh, joined the program, former BYU defensive lineman. A lot to discuss, uh, you know, namely the best team since 84 conversation. Here it is on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Hans, what's up, man? Great to have you on the show. Welcome back. It's nice to finally be back, Jeremy. I don't know what I did
6: wrong the last time, but it seems like four years is way too long in between interviews. It,
1: It has not been four years. (laughs) <laughs> I swear we had you on last year I don't want to name names but Ben Bagley Okay, let's, let's talk about What Bill Connolly said He said uh, you know, that last year's team Was the best at BYU Since the 1984 team What? Spencer and I agreed No, 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 you, like 96 Right? I mean that was an amazing team You were a freshman on that team What, what do you think? Is that, is that true what he said Or do you think it's 96 or 09 or one of those years?
6: Last year, they were brilliant, man, and, and it's really hard to argue against having a, a number one uh, or a first-round draft pick at that quarterback position, and Zach Wilson obviously was incredible, number two overall, and that makes it tough, uh, really tough to argue against. Steve Sarkeesian obviously didn't get drafted that high from that 1996 team, but Steve was an incredible teammate, and you're right, I was a redshirt freshman that year, and I was on the travel squad. I dressed, kept helmet ready. Uh, there was an injury. I was going to be entering the game. And that 1996 team, man, it was jam-packed with some of the best players in BYU history. Um, big-time draft picks, long-time NFL players. Uh, in my opinion, even though it was a brief stint, the best running back in BYU history, and, and that's not Luke Staley, that's Ronnie, Ronnie Jenkins. Jenkins.
1: Yeah, Ronnie's yeah. amazing, dude. I tweeted about him last week about twenty five hundred yards and you know twenty five touchdowns. Dude, the dude would have had five thousand yards rushing or something. You know, four thousand and fifty touchdowns.
6: He was incredible, uh, and I think he's the best running back to ever be on a BYU football field. It was just about him staying on a BYU football field. He would have he would have broke every record, set every record, and he would have been phenomenal if he would have stuck around. Uh, but it was really difficult. That 96 team, Jeremy, in my opinion, with all the draft picks, that offensive line might be the best offensive line in BYU history. Now, last year's offensive line was really good, and I still think that there are four total draft picks off of that offensive line. When all, all things are said and done, I think there's going to be four total draft picks off that offensive line. But that 96 offensive line, led by Larry Moore, who played in the NFL for seven, eight years. Hey, you have a John Colts helmet a-
1: behind you, Larry Moore, yeah. Colts.
6: Yeah. Uh, in fact, we were teammates together uh, my rookie year, and, and then they let him go my second year. But uh, he was he was fantastic. And um, John Tate, obviously, long-time player. But it was full of characters, guys like James Johnson and Matt Cox and – it, uh, the backups, the, 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 the second line that would come in. Jason Anderson was an incredible rotation guy. I don't know, Jeremy. I don't think you can argue against that 96 team. That was an incredible
1: team. Okay, clarify something because there's always this conversation about the Washington game and how there was an argument about socks or something, and that's why they lost. What happened?
6: <laughs> I don't even know if I. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, I, you're talking about the team issue stuff
1: what, at Washington. Yeah.
6: yeah, and and if guys wanted, to, was it to wear knee high or or just ankle or, I yeah, I can't remember if there was an equipment issue. Uh, that was just one of those tough games. You know, that's a really tough place to play. I remember being in that stadium. That was the first time I was there. And Jerem, their their whole ambience and game day is is pretty crazy and i just don't think the team really realized their potential at that exact point um but and and it was a close one i remember what was that twenty nine seventeen? yes that be lost in that one it was a close one but washington was just a little bit better that day i can't take it away from them
1: even the 08 team who beat a winless washington team had to block a pat Right? Uh, it's it's tough to play up there. They're coming in on the boats. They're coming in from the city. It's super loud uh, in there. Yeah, I've I've seen a game up there. It's crazy. Okay, you you said four offensive linemen will be drafted from the 2020 team. So obviously, yeah. Brady Christensen at left tackle, a third rounder. Wow. Who else are you thinking is drafted in the future? I'm assuming James Empey is one of those?
6: James Empey. Uh, Blake Freeland, I think, is a draft pick. Uh, maybe not this year, uh, but but very much the, the following year. I think James Impey is one of the most freakishly athletic offensive linemen that BYU has seen since John Tate. Um, he's just incredibly gifted. And then I, I think Barrington could possibly be a draft pick. I, I think he's physical. I think he could be drafted as a as a guard. I think that uh, he, he plays aggressive. He just has to find that consistency and that aggression, making sure that he's hitting He's hitting all his uh, he's hitting all his schemes and and plays an extremely consistent season this year, but I think he's a potential draft pick.
1: That's exciting. And uh, when the offensive line is good, the run game's good, and when the run game's good, BYU is good. It's a it's a simple formula, right? We're talking to Hans Olson of twelve eighty the zone. Salt Lake City, former BYU defensive lineman as well. He has one of the greatest celebrations after a touchdown. In Cougar football history, you can look it up on uh, YouTube. Okay, in the don't same, <laughs> in the same <laughs> article, Bill Connolly also says, quote, under Satake, things have become more volatile for better or worse, end quote. I think he's referring to 4-9 and nine one year in 2017, and then 2020 obviously going 11-1 uh, and, and being ranked 11 at the end of the season. Do you feel like the word volatile characterizes the Satake era? I don't think so.
6: I don't think so. I think uh, upward trajectory would characterize the Kalani Satake era. Now, there's a lot of tough times in front of him. And this schedule, as you know, and everybody knows, moving from 2021 on is going to be extremely difficult. You know, that that COVID schedule that Tom Homo put together, it was miraculous what he did. And BYU fans should be indebted to him because he, he went to great lengths and and I know that that university went to great lengths to continue that season, and they should be commended for it. Um, but I think upward trajectory is the way I would term Kalani Sataki's time at BYU. Yeah, there were some bumps, and there are going to continue to be bumps. Uh, I love Ty Detmer. I, I think uh, Ty Detmer is a dear friend of mine, and I think the world of him. But you know, there were some there were some bumpy starts for Kalani and he needed to get his feet under him. But, you know, Jim, I would say that BYU fans need to be really excited about Aaron Roderick and really excited about Fessy Sataki. I think that those two uh, offensive minds are as innovative and as forward thinking as two guys that I've ever really talked to about the game of football. And so I'm really excited to see them to continue to grow that offense and then Kalani understands the defensive side of the ball as good as anybody in the country. And he'll continue to make the right hires and the right moves. You know, uh, Coach Kloon is a longtime coordinator and he's been around the game for a lot of years. And, and I'm excited to sit back and watch what he's, he's able to do with those linebackers. As you know, that's a really good linebacking crew. But I just think that this is, I think he's on an upward trajectory and I think BYU is extremely lucky to have a man the caliber of Kalani Sataki. And they got to do everything they can to keep their fingers sunk into that guy. Don't let him go anywhere. Make sure he's happy and make sure he stays right here in Provo, Utah.
1: Yeah, memo to Silicon <laughs> Slopes, right? To uh, <laughs> make sure he stays. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that's a huge blessing for BYU. It really has been, uh, you know, economically what's been going on here and what hopefully will continue. Okay, along those lines, it's interesting because I think BYU fans feel like, listen, we should be consistent and have a real a year that really pops every now and then, right? Yeah, I think I think to get twenty twenty, obviously, a pandemic affects it in a great way. You needed a twenty seventeen. Think about it. If BYU doesn't fire uncomfortably, it's favorite son at quarterback Ty emmer there is no zach wilson at byu that was the cost to get zach so sometimes you have to uh push the restart button and that was 2017 and it took three years to build with that group and get a rod in here and get fest sitake's influence and and so on and so forth and jeff Grimes and company but 2020 was a it was beautiful and now, BYU returns a lot of skill, position, talent. They've added to it with the Nakua brothers. Chase Roberts, off a mission from American Fork, was a high school All-American. The offensive line is good, as you mentioned. This season, the over-under is kind of like six and a half, seven wins. Blaine Fowler last week came on the show and said, I think we should expect eight and, and think that nine is possible, despite the fact they're seven power fives. What do you think? <laughs>
6: Man, I think it's going to be every week is just going to be a fight for their lives. But Jeremy said it well, they've got more talent than I think people even really know is that's coming back. You know, Isaac Rex is, is geared up and ready to take another step. You threw in the Nakua brothers. They're going to be fantastic. You've got Holker who I believe is back and he's going to be ready to go at the tight end position. You're going to have targets all over the field. um, And uh, uh, Powell, I think, is is keyed up as well as Romney. Think about all the targets that – that, and I, I know that there's a, a bit of a back and forth with the quarterback position, but I believe it's going to be Jaron Hall that will start. Think about all the targets that he's got. And then, you know, you throw in the fact that you've got Tyler Algier who can really carry the bulk of that offense if you need it behind that offensive line you talked about. It's just going to be a weekly fight. Man, that schedule is daunting. It's tough. The first four games out of the gates are very tough. I don't want to set an expectation that can't be met, but my expectation is a minimum of seven. I think a great season for BYU would be eight. I think anything above eight... You better take Kalani Satake, put him on a float, parade him through Pro Bowl, and get your boys at the Silicon Slope to come down with a Brinks truck, back it up, and say, please stay because you do so much more with so much less. That's the one thing I want BYU fans to really understand is what this football program is doing with what they've been given. It is, it's not even in comparison to what the power five uh, conferences are giving their teams overall, the infrastructure, um, the support staff behind your head coach, what Satake and that staff is doing with what they have is unfounded. Unbelievable. It cannot be matched. And so if, you, if it's anything better than eight, watch out, man. You better lock that guy down for 10 years.
1: Listen, the moment we see a Brinks truck on campus is the moment the second coming starts.
6: <laughs> We're all headed to Missouri anyways, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll all be in the SEC anyways. Okay, with the schedule, <laughs> you talked about how tough it's going to be. Listen, I'm Mr. Hey, this schedule's too hard. What are we doing, guy? Um, there there are games that are manageable in this, right, which is interesting, and this has a little more balance to it in terms of winnability against certain teams coming into the year. Obviously, we don't know how it's going to shake out, but you look at Arizona. That's a game that BYU has traditionally won outside of 08 when BYU kind of mailed it in at the end there. Um, Utah is always a tough game. Arizona State's improved, but that's, it feels like those teams are similar. Uh, Baylor. Baylor's down a little bit. Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos. That should be a fun one. Washington State still figuring it out with Rolovich. Virginia, obviously with Bronco, compelling. That feels like a, a decent matchup there. And then USC is going to be a tough one. So it feels like there are two or three that are a little tougher. But yes, the volume is the issue of I've always had a, uh, a problem with. I think if BYU goes three and four, you go, hey, that was pretty good. If BYU goes four and three, over the moon, man. What do you think?
6: I, I over the moon. You, you've hit it right on the head. And I've, I've heard your arguments over the years, Jeremy, and, and I'm not far behind you, man. I actually agree with a, a lot of the angle that you take on this. Um, and we, we saw where BYU ranked nationally when they put together that pandemic schedule. I, I, know, I, I know that it, it, it had to do with everybody having to do what they had to do. And I, I know that the entire um, world of college football was skewed, but... I would say the same. I would say that, that four wins in that situation would be incredible. I'll tell you what, BYU fans would go one win if it could be Utah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, the one, that's the one on the schedule that I know that that staff has to be the most concerned with. That's the one on the schedule that I would be the most, most focused on. And I would take a different approach. Um, I don't know if it was uh, two years ago, I think it was, where it was kind of an all-in mentality with beat Utah and the players were talking about it and coaches were talking about it. And I'll tell you, it created a stir with the media, but it also created a a lot of interest and opened up ears up on the, uh, up on the Hill. They kept their mouths quiet and they came out and delivered the win. what I'd say is keep your mouth quiet, work your butt off because this Utah roster is jam packed with talent, just like BYU's roster. And Last year would have been your best chance to get them with Zach Wilson and what BYU was putting together. And Utah was extremely young. This year won't be that Utah has brought in a lot of transfer portal talent and BYU is going to have a fight on their hand. I think that this is going to be one of the most competitive, competitive rivalry games we have seen in a long time. And uh, we'll see if Kalani and staff can get that one taken care of, but uh, don't, wouldn't you agree, Jeremy, that I think, BYU fans and say, hey, look, you can have all the others, ASU and Virginia and all the others. But that Utah game, I think, is critical for Kalani and this team this year.
1: Inevitably, we will ask the question on the show because we have five hours a week to fill. Uh, would you go one and six in the power five, seven, if the one was Utah? We will ask that later. We, you know, we don't have to ask that right now. We will do it later. Hans, great insight. We appreciate the time. And, of course, people can check you out on 1280 The Zone in Salt Lake.
6: Thanks, Jerem. Love you guys. You guys do a great job. And uh, BYU fans, get ready for a a great football season. This is going to be an epic team. There's a lot of talent. I know you lost a lot, but I know there's a lot of talent on this team. And it's going to be exciting.
2: We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. the best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday is Jeremiah
0: Spencer this is BYU Sports Nation let's whip it Cougar Whip Ram, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems.
1: Big Game Boomer on Twitter has Jake Goldroyd as the sixth best returning kicker in 2021. Will he have to win a game for BYU this year?
0: Yes. BYU plays seven power fives. There is most they certainly do. going to be a scenario where there is a critical kick yeah. late in the game against that tough of a schedule. So, yeah, and I'm happy to have Jake back there for BYU. It might be, too. Yeah, correct. It might be multiple. The BYU Football Wikipedia page now lists three rivals for the Cougars, Jerem.
1: Well, Boise State, Utah, and Utah State, right?
0: Not Boise State. Utah, Utah State, and uh, boasting a series of one whole game. And listed first, by the way. Coastal Carolina.
1: Lee Lee Johnson? Did you edit
0: this? Is Coastal Carolina actually a rival for BYU now?
1: No. Uh, The dudes that roughed up Zach are, but no.
0: And I know that the Mormons versus Mullets thing got a lot of national publicity.
1: It was a fun weekend.
0: But Coastal Carolina? What city is it in again? It's in, well, Myrtle Beach, but
1: it's Conway. Conway, that's right. Yeah. Jacob Con over... Yeah,
0: Boise State, you're right. Boise State is the third rival for BYU football.
1: No doubt. And then uh, Idaho State. Okay, uh, Colin Cowherd said the Utah Jazz are the Gonzaga of the NBA. Yes. I don't agree with that. If that's the case, what is BYU Hoops NBA (laughs) comp? The
0: Indiana Pacers. That's perfect, dude. (laughs) That is perfect. Market Square Arena.
1: Like, really good, but... Don't actually win the Natty. Yeah, they yeah. can't
0: get to the big one. Like it's, they're it's still they're good. constantly in the playoffs, or like they're around it. Yeah, like win a lot of but games, go to the finals. Good players. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they had their Reggie Miller, like Jimmer dead. They had their moments, right? Right. No, but but nothing of like major significance. I guess in the modern in terms era
1: of like in the winning it in the eighties, BYU, you know, was different. They weren't the Celtics or Lakers, right? Right. That would, that would be your Nebraska's, Oklahoma's, Texas, Ohio State, and whatnot. But even
0: then, like I'm looking at the Pacers in the '90s, in the 80s. like with Reggie Miller, and they would get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah,
1: they had the one NBA Finals. One got one oh, like NBA? BYU in the '80s. One in. So I think this is a commentary on currently. It's like, well, yeah, BYU's on the outside.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but BYU, BYU basketball in the '80s. You know, the, get I to think, the
1: I was thinking football. The elite eight. Were you thinking basketball? Basketball. I was thinking football. Sorry. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to compare BYU football team, to
0: team.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm always thinking about football. Just yeah. FYI.
0: I'm like, yeah, no, the, even with going to the elite thinking eight. Women's crosscut. Okay, Jeremy. Finally, yes. Sir. Major shout out to BYU Radio General Manager Don Sheline, sometimes called Don Sheila, who shared some incredible footage from a 1954 BYU football game. It's amazing. Shot by his aunt, Nola Eng. Look at this. We've added music. 1954. Let me the ex- Montana Grizzlies visit Provo, Utah for a showdown with Chick Atkinson's BYU Cougars. Let me
1: explain some history here. So this is, uh, you know, in the parking lot. That hill that you're looking at, I'll describe it for radio, is where the Richards Building is and that hill right there. It was called Y Stadium. BYU was there. Uh, until 64, then they moved into Cougar Stadium, their current site. Pretty cool, right? Uh, you see a KSL in the booth. You see ABC TV across the way. This was the only win that year in 54. 1-8, 19-7 against Montana. Ron Bean had a great game. Phil Euler as well. <laughs> and they carried Chick Atkinson off the field.
0: I just love the ABC TV banner in bright red and yellow letters. Yeah, where was KB? Osbo
1: w- is like... Terrifying
0: nightmarish
1: character. It kind of looks like the Penn State Nippy line, honestly, (laughs) right? Smithfield House in the background. Smithfield House was three years old, by the way, at this point. Oh, and two years before this, Casey Jones and Bill Russell had come and played against BYU in the Smithfield House.
0: How cool is that? It's amazing. So again, thanks to Don Shaline and his aunt oh, Nola Eng for delivering that 1954 footage. Yeah, 19 7 victory over the Montana the Grizzlies. Only win, win this season.
1: How about that?
2: Join the conversation 24 7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. A guy who rivals Shia LaBeouf's energy
0: is BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope. It's right there. I'm telling you, it's right there. In fact, we spoke with him, courtesy of Jason Shepard, one-on-one right after the decision was made and announced that Alex Barcelo was coming back. How excited was he? You be the
7: judge. Coach, you've had quite the week, hanging out on glaciers in Alaska, you got the father-son's camp, and now you get Alex Barcelo back. This has been a good week for you. It's a a great week. Uh, It it is a great week, and
8: obviously the most important piece is Alex Barcelo. He, um, you know, you think over the last two years he's been the number one three-point shooter in the entire country at 48.1 percent he's one of four guys that are returning all americans right now that are actually coming back Uh, and what he's done for our team over the last two years is historic only the second time in the last 40 years and um, that's not even talking about the best stuff he does which is his leadership in the locker room and his toughness on the court and I'm going to sleep so much better all summer long knowing that I
7: don't have to start trying to win games at BYU without Alex Barcelo. How concerned were you that he wasn't going to come back? He had two of these guys. Matt Harms decided he was going to move on. Alex, you're kind of waiting on him. Was there concern that maybe he wasn't going to come back?
8: Yeah, and, and I don't know if concern is the right word because what we want for these guys is to do what's best for them to find out where their whole heart is. and. And all three of our seniors actually went back and forth trying to figure out where, you know, this this process is so hard, and um, so I was just hoping at the end of the day that Alex would would find out where his heart really was and. I'm not going to lie. I'm super, super excited that it's back here for another year because it's just a gift to
7: everybody here at BYU basketball, the community, the university, everywhere. What was the recruiting process to bring him back? Because I've got to imagine you don't have to sell him on the program; he already knows that. So, h- how do you approach that?
8: Well, uh, the great thing is, you know, you don't get to recruit guys that you know as intimately as we did this year, knowing these guys and. We witnessed a lot of the recruiting live because I was trying to. It's the only time you're not allowed to recruit in front of anybody except for this (laughs) weird scenario. So I was trying to make the recruiting as public as possible, and um, it was just awesome. It was mostly just trying to talk and talk and talk and let him find out, and let Matt find out, and Brandon find out uh, where their heart was, and and um, you know that's the most important thing is these guys are where they most want to be, and right now he he sees the benefit. He is so incredibly determined to settle for nothing less than taking his biggest possible swing at playing at the highest level. And um, in his heart, he believes that coming back here will help him do that. And I think I think he's smart. I think it's right.
7: Well, and he told me, he said one of the biggest reasons it was what you mentioned. He wants to play in the NBA. And he thinks coming back gives him that opportunity. But he also said, I've got some unfinished business. Yeah. As a coach, I've got to imagine you love hearing that. Yeah, and, and listen. He loves these guys, and he
8: loves this university, and he loves this community. And he's, um, you know, when you come and you work as hard as these guys do, and you sacrifice as much as they do, and then over time you get to see yourself. It's 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 because of these guys' individual and team effort that they see themselves change as human beings. And Alex is certainly, he's observed that in himself, and he knows that there's more growth for him. His ceiling is really high, and as good
7: as he's been, he can get better. And um, I'm excited we all get to do that together. Well, you talked about his production last year, and yeah, you've had some guys that have moved on, but you get a lot of production back, and having Alex back's got to be huge for that.
8: It's huge, and, and, um, you know, I I expect a bunch of our guys to take massive jumps. Like the the jump that Trevin Nell took from being a, Limit use, uh, very pedestrian shooter a year ago to being the best three point shooter in the West Coast Conference this year, percentage wise. Um, I expect Gideon George to make a similar massive jump and Caleb Lohner to make a similar massive jump. And Rich Harward has still got a ton more ceiling in him. And Spencer Johnson to get better. And you know, I- I'm telling you, Hunter Erickson is a special player. Um, he's gonna make huge tries. And, and we haven't been introduced to T John yet. Yeah. But this young man, I mean, he averaged six assists a game last year and five rebounds a game playing in the backcourt. He's going to be an incredibly special addition. Uh, and and we've got our first look now the last couple of days at, at Foos Traore my goodness he's got a chance to help us this year and you know there's several other guys coming too and so we're incredibly excited about what this team could be it's going to be a little bit of a different feel than last year maybe a little bit more similar to two years ago it is going to be an incredibly fun team to watch uh, I can't wait man and 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 this Alex Barcelo will get like I said he's gonna make me sleep a lot better
7: Well, with T. John there, do you anticipate him and Alex working together very similar to what Alex and um, Brandon Avery did last year? Yeah, I think there's some real space for that. I really think there's some space for that. Um,
8: uh, You know, it's been hugely important for us. We functioned at our highest level last year on the offensive end when we had two big-time playmakers on the floor. and Like I said, T. John is one of – you know, you can count on on two hands how many six-assist guys there were in the entire country last year. He, it's, it's like his heart and soul. He wants to be a playmaker. And, you know, Alex was a two-plus-to-one assist turnover last year. He's got an unbelievable ability to make plays. And you think about the shooters we have on this team right now, Caleb's shooting 56% in the league. Uh, uh, um, you know, Alex shooting 48%. Uh, Trevin's shooting 46%. You add another playmaker in the mix, It just is, it's really exciting with the
7: space I believe we'll be able to purchase on the floor next year. It's going to be awesome. Last thing, are you guys done at this point? Is the a roster pretty close to where you want it to be, or are you going to wait to see if other things shake out? I'm really excited about this roster. So excited. But we're always looking to add pieces.
8: <laughs> so we like to hear, Coach. Appreciate it. And congratulations on getting a great player back. Let's go. I, I mean, I'm speaking for all Cougar Nation guys. First of all, thank you so much for helping us recruit Alex Barcelo back. And we can't wait to see you guys when we tip off in November. Thanks,
0: Coach. Thanks, brother. Okay. In a packed Marriott Center. And he's up. <laughs> BOA basketball coach Mark Pope with Jason Shepard.
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The West Coast Conference Freshman of the Year, Andrew
0: Pintar from BYU Baseball on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Andrew, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation.
9: Awesome to be here.
0: I know you've probably discussed this with Shep because Shep is all things BYU baseball. Shep. You've you've endured him, uh, you, you've handled <laughs> him in the dugout, which we should you know congratulate you for it as well. But how do you feel about the nickname Penny?
9: Um, it's just something I've had my whole life. I mean, my dad had it when he was young, and it's kind of funny. My little brother is starting to get called that a lot, and it's kind of weird, but it's just something that's always. Like stuck with me, like I like in school. I never got called my real name. I was always called Penny throughout all my high school and stuff. And it's just, just it's just kind of my name now. It's kind of cool.
1: I like it. Listen, nobody that's terrible gets a nickname. You know what I mean? Like you have to be good to get a nickname. (laughs) Which you won the West Coast Conference Freshman of the Year. Congratulations on that. Only Cougar on the first team as well. What did that mean to you to uh, get those individual accolades?
9: Yeah, they were cool. I mean, um, honestly, we didn't get the year we wanted as a team, which was tough, but we were hoping for a tournament. But, I mean, these these accolades, are they're cool, but, I mean, it's time to move on and go to next year and start working. Speaking of next
1: year, it uh, looks like uh, you're in a sling there. Did you have surgery?
9: Yeah, I, right after the season ended, I, I had to get an MRI, and I actually tore my labrum, so... Yep, I'm in a sling all summer. Hey, fun
1: fun summer plans with the sling, right? Um, <laughs> did, did you play through this injury for a while? Like when when did it happen?
9: Yeah, about halfway through the season, I started experiencing some like major shoulder pain, and I kind of put it off for a little while, and just figured I'd go through it, and it ended up getting worse and worse. I ended up actually taking off a series in Gonzaga when we were at Gonzaga, hopefully, hoping it would get better, and. After the series, it never did. So I'm like, I just told myself, you know, I don't want to let my team down. I don't want to let myself down. So I just was going to try and finish out the season and get it taken care of after.
0: You've earned some serious man card points, Andrew. That is uh, incredible. <laughs> I mean, to compete at that high of a level with that injury, baseball's hard enough as it is. So, I mean, when you're in the moment, are you, how are you able to compartmentalize the pain and play the game?
9: You know, you just you had to find ways just to tune it out and just focus on the game, and that's what I did. I just I had a lot of preparation with our tra- with our trainer about like, getting me ready every game and just getting it good enough to where I can go out and at least give it the best I can. And That's what I had to do the rest of the season.
1: Man, a uh, Zach Wilson 2018 like performance this year for you as a, a freshman. Uh, he played with a uh, you know, torn labrum in his throwing shoulder, through his freshman year, got it uh, cinched up, and then he, he became a 50 millionaire. So I see in two years a bright future for you, <laughs> Andrew. I think it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> so this was your second freshman year because obviously last year gets cut off. You, uh, all you did was lead the team in batting average runs, hits, and slugging. Uh, was this the kind of full freshman year you were hoping for?
9: Yeah, it was honestly. I mean, I had some ups and downs, but I just try to stay as constant as I can throughout the whole season, as consistent as I can. And, you know, that's kind of my goal every year is to just try not to get too high, not to get too low, and just stay as consistent as I can be and do whatever I can to help the team. And I felt like I did a decent job of that. But.
0: Yeah. Well, walk us through your path to BYU did it start being a BYU fan from Utah County or did you have eyes for potential other schools as well
9: actually growing up I was a our family was a big Utah football fan and we're big Utah football guys but growing up I always liked BYU baseball I love watching them and following them I actually went to a lot of games growing up and you know Coming out of high school, I had a lot of friends going there, and I kind of just set myself to where that's where I want to go, and I kind of made that a goal of mine. And luckily, I ended up getting the opportunity to go there, and it's been awesome ever since.
1: I'm not going to ask if you're still a Utah football. Player. We'll just <laughs> uh, we'll just pass on that one. Nine homers this
9: year. What was your favorite one? My favorite one, you know, I think I think my favorite one was at San Diego in like the eighth inning to, I think it was either tie us or put us ahead, but yeah, that that first game at San Diego was awesome. That had to be my favorite one.
1: Okay. Against Pepperdine. Did you hit it to the Marriott center steps? Am I recalling that correctly?
9: <laughs> I have no idea. I don't. Okay. You did. I'm, it's
1: not a question. It's a statement now. Uh, you
9: did um,
1: <laughs> joining some of the all-time greats in BYU history to be able to actually get it to the street and then up to the steps. I think even Tony Gwynn did that, honestly, back in the eighties. Um, what what's the longest home <laughs> review you've ever hit in your life?
9: Honestly, I have no idea. I don't I don't keep track of that. Or Just say it was against Maple Mountain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Pintar with us on BYU Sports Nation, West Coast Conference, Freshman of the Year. Uh I'm always intrigued by baseball superstitions and walk-up songs, so let's kind of tackle both of those questions. First and foremost. Do you have any superstitions? And if so, what are they?
9: Okay, yeah. I'm a big superstitious guy. And I get made fun of it a lot <laughs> at BYU because they think I'm with it. But it's what works for me. Like, I if I do good one day, I have to wear the exact same thing the next day. And I have to do the exact same thing pregame. And my mental approach to do the exact same thing. And if I don't do good, I change it up. Uh, I like I, with arm sleeves, I'm a huge superstitious with arm sleeves. If I don't do good one day with an arm sleeve, I'll take it off the next game. And people kind of make fun of me for that, but that's just who I am, and that's what works for me. So,
1: Listen, everybody's at least a little stitious. You know what I'm saying? I, I get it. Okay, uh, let's talk about a couple of uh, cool life things with you. You, you came on uh, to BYU's team as a walk-on. There's 11.7 scholarships. I don't know how the NCAA came to that number. But uh, you earned a scholarship. Congratulations on that. What did that mean to you to, uh, to get a scholarly?
9: Yeah, going in, I, I was a walk-in, and I had one goal, and I was to get a scholarship. And I just I worked my tail off right when I got there, and I was lucky enough at the end of the fall when I first got there. I was awarded one, and hopefully I can keep it. But, yeah, that was, that was one of my biggest goals, and I just wanted to help me and my family out by doing that.
1: I think you're going to keep it for yeah, next year. I'm, I'm yeah. not exactly sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure.
0: <laughs> if you're worried about it, I'll put in a good word with Mike Littlewood for you, okay?
1: Yeah, he, we, Mike, we, he figured <laughs> it out.
0: We're, yeah, we're in your court. He absolutely, Andrew, has figured it out. Hey, okay, uh, let's finish with this. Big off season for you, obviously, with surgery and your accolades. But little birdie, maybe his name is Shep or not, <laughs> tells us that you're getting married this summer as well. Can you confirm or deny that TMZ BYUSN report?
9: Yeah, so we're actually getting married August 28th. Very nice.
0: Congratulations, my friend. That is fantastic. That's the
1: week before the beginning of college football. I can respect that. I can (laughs) respect that.
0: (laughs) Andrew, thanks for the time. Congratulations again on all of your success, and we'll talk to you again soon.
9: Thank you guys for having me.
0: You got it. Andrew Pintar on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
1: We don't know what uh, these athletes exactly go through to be on the field. Andrew Pintar, who is one of the stars of the team. I mean, you could argue he's the best player on the team yep. as a freshman. Yes. Redshirt freshman. He played through a, a torn uh, labrum. Half in of the his season. Throwing shoulder. Half
0: of the season.
1: That's unbelievable. So we're here to tell those stories, man, and learn that. Like, that's incredible. What a what a great year he had, and we look forward to a great BYU career. Yeah. It's
2: going to be awesome. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.